broadcasting from across the North American continent of the Terran Empire, bringing you our unpopular Star Trek opinions since 2020. This is Code 47. And somebody can count me in. Three, two, one, go. Oh my goodness, back again. Secret Friends Unite. Podcasting Network, Code 47, episode 51, 50 with a bullet. What? You never heard that one? When my uncle, many years, when I was a teenager, my uncle turned 31. He called it 30 with a bullet. So now anytime I hear a one after a number, particularly with somebody referring to their, I just, I say with a bullet, it's just one of those things that clicks with me. Obviously, you're looking at me like I got 19 different heads. So this is clearly- Well, you're pixelated, so you kind of do. Oh, well, I know we, we all, I noticed that with Oxford when I was recording with two, he's pixelated to me, but he must look fine to himself because these all record locally. So Rich must have like the best internet ever because his always looks really good. <sighs> I have he a hard does. line. Are you guys recording on Wi-Fi? I am. Uh, I am not. I have the hard line that is that it runs, it runs to my modem in the other room. So do you just have shitty internet? I don't think so. I don't what's know. Your, what's your up, what's your up down? I, we're not we're, we're not playing this game. I'll give I don't know. You, I don't know anything about it. So. I don't. I don't. Know. I don't know anything about it. I'm just. I just know those those terms. Up Very and down, good. So. I, I my my yes. The, what the elevator does. Anyway, this riveting conversation. I'm here as always with my awesome co-hosts, Lieutenant Commander Raren, Rich, and Aaron, to gab about some Star Trekery. Guys, how the heck are you on this Sunday evening? I'm great. <laughs> I am also great. It seemed like you really had to wind up to that one. Like, uh, well, I mean, I'm great now that like the obligation of watching Lower Decks is behind me. Ooh, here, here. I know, I know. I, you know, we're gonna jump right into that. As always on the show, we do tackle a current, the current programming, which in this case is Lower Decks, and then we jump into uh, talking about a classic, a classic segment with some cultural relevance and infinite diversity. We do a little news and then we go home. So. Let's get the first part over with immediately. What do Let we say? Let me pull up my notes here. Hang on. Oh man, you know what? I got a great idea because Rich has prepared notes. Yeah. I think I think it's your turn. Oh, Go it's my turn. It. Yeah, do it. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Let me uh, let me pull up the thing here. Uh, spy humongous, and um, I don't get it. Well, <laughs> while uh, you know this was playing in the background. I was watching a uh, video about a robot being made out of chocolate, so I didn't awesome. quite oh. get what was going on. Me too. Um, nice. I mean, I mean, I caught some of the jokes. I heard the cat doctor swear again. Um, Boimler's <sighs> being neurotic, and Tendi is being crazy. And did then you, she got she got did, shot out by a slug monster. But but here's uh, here, okay. So if we're doing notes, um, let me pull my notes here. Wait, um, wait, wait. What did you think about the whisk at the end? Well, I thought the whisk was was fucking impressive. But here's my question: I want to know how much chocolate was actually used making that thing. I have no idea, but That's I mean, ridiculous amount of but, chocolate. But that the, dude was working the, for a while. The paint job that they did on that chocolate robot was so awesome; it looked very lifelike. Yeah, I'm gonna bring really it back to plan because this is a show about Star Trek. Rich, ah. let's let's have some of your notes. Um, those are my notes. <laughs> nothing, nothing of nothing of import happened in this episode, as far as I'm concerned. Um, it, it it's basically more Family Guy bullshit. 
running around. Uh, there were they they had to go and deal with these super dumb uh, aliens that were trying to bomb the Earth or something like that. Really I don't stretch, know. They're really stretching it out. And boy, it's funny if you scroll to the bottom of this Trek movie review, they get there is section on laugh lines. It's like so I'm supposed to read these and be. Th- this is where it's telling me to be amused. Is this their version? Is of a, is one of, of them? A, like when Tendi got angry, I remember that kind but, of, but then I well, saw that video on the robot on I, Facebook and I got distracted. Well, scroll down to the bottom of it and you'll see. Um, but yeah, it does say I, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a list of lines that are apparently supposed to make me laugh and uh, it's not happening. Um, so yeah, you're right. It did turn into a regular rigmarole of more things that should make you chuckle and did look. The only way that this show could be any more inane is if they had a laugh track and they were telling oh, you where man. to laugh. Is it, that is that coming in season three? I don't know. And if it is, I'm telling you right now, I'm not watching it. <laughs> I don't watch anything with a laugh track, my friend. Sorry. R- nothing at all, really. No, nothing what with if, a laugh track. What if they laughed like Fran Drescher? Oh, God. Even then, I think I think what I would be in, inclined to do then is probably go to Paramount Studios and try and light the place on fire just to prevent that from happening again. I mean, I'd, if that's, I'd if watch that's, it if that's really where they made it. I understand the title is. Uh, it was funny because Oxford and I were recording a little while ago, and something that we were reading made reference to this spy the the, the, the humongous like spelled in this fashion. Is this related to something that jump- spy Richard? among us? No, no, the humo- that- humo- humongous. No, he's giant. He's a big guy, and humongous. he's a spy, a spy humongous, a spy among us. If you if you look knows that humor if, is funnier when it has to be explained. If you look at the random stuff, they don't know either. It just says that it might be a play to the video game Among Us. <laughs> wow, that is. If they don't know oh. that, um, I think that that's a big problem. Okay, uh, w- one out of ten kicks to the nuts. What do we get? Wait, it? you know what, Aaron? We should go through and record a laugh track to an episode of this show just to prove how terrible it is. That's not a bad I idea. Would like to watch throw, this. Throw so. a laugh track on it, and just to pr- just to prove, look. It, the, the only thing dumber than a show that like is basically Family Guy in space is Family Guy in space with like Big Bang Theory laugh track. I hate that show, but like I do too. But like women who are over sixty think it's great. Oh God! I big there's a big fandom in the in, in, in men too because this was one that my my dad and my stepmother enjoy uh, or enjoyed when the show was on the Big. Bang okay, Theory. so men also over sixty. Uh, apparently so. So, all right. Well, final thoughts, uh, Aaron. Your thoughts. Didn't hear much from you besides you hated it. Anything stand out to you? That like I said, I I liked that I got distracted by the robot video on Facebook. Um, <laughs> it was a giant, like life size chocolate, like android with a whisk. Like I yeah. mean, he can bake. He looks delicious. Very lifelike. Mm. Um, that's the best part of it. Yeah, I was entranced by that as well. Honestly, I would have broken each piece in that like 13 times and I would have quit and just eaten the chocolate by about three minutes in. That's me. But this dude was like rolling shit and like fucking, he made the whisk and then he bent the whisk around. I would have bent the whisk like this far and it would have broken, shattered and everything. Very talented chocolatier. Yeah, much more talented. I'm going to bring this back around. Much more talented than 
than than the people that wrote and allowed this show to get on the air. So instead of talking about this, can we talk about our favorite Jeffrey Combs um, recurring (laughs) characters? No, we cannot. We're we're going to stay on track. Um, I I, my fear is, is that what's how far is this going to go? How far is this going to go beyond the point that it just has no Star Trek connection, that it is just quips? It'll keep going. Yeah, I just, uh, I mean, we're at episode six. We only got four left. It is just quips. It's just quips about Star Trek, and that's what they're going to keep doing. I'm just hoping this does not get a third season. I don't (laughs) know. They're going to get a third season. This thing's got a 100% Rotten Tomatoes rating for season two. Oh, yeah. From the critics. critics. I don't understand that. They love it. They think it's amazing. I mean, everything that you read about it online is just a, it's a hand job. It's crazy. (laughs) I don't get that. Usually I trust the critics. Now, of course, not, not, not when it comes to television, but usually I can trust the critics. These guys uh, are smoking something. Yeah. I, uh, I, I I can't explain it. So, okay, let's, let's move. Let's not, they're being paid off. Let's quit, let's quit beating the dead horse. I'm actually going to kick it over. The uh, horse, as my as my friend Rich Vasquez said on a podcast that we recorded, he and I, uh, that horse is glue. Yes. That's how much we're beating this horse. I was going to say, what comes beyond glue if you keep beating the glue? If you beat glue, what does glue become? I well, saw this really your... cool video on Facebook where they put Elmer's glue in this lady's hair, and then they put <laughs> rainbow sprinkles in it. <laughs> It looked amazing. They put it in her eyebrows and on her lips. Oh my god! Does not answer my question. But anyway, I, I think I on. think glue become glue eventually becomes a second skin, right? Because you put it on your fingers and then you peel it off, right? And and this brings us back around because who makes a cameo at the end of this episode? What villainous character? I don't know. Armus, Armus in the episode where Tasha Yar died called Second Skin. Oh so yeah. This is. This is. Oh, that's right. They called him. They prank called right. him. That now it's turning into crank yankers. That's great. It can't oh even be its God. own thing. It can't even be its own parody of its own thing. <laughs> you brought up crank yankers. Oh, <laughs> oh God. What? Di- so there you go. What do you get when you continue to beat glue? Okay, let's move on to. You get rainbow sprinkle hair. Rainbow, rainbow sprinkle hair. Rainbow sprinkle hair. All you right. should just name it chocolate robot. That's what you need to name it. I'm trying to get away from that, Aaron. Hi. Two infinite diversity. These selections uh, came from you this week, so I kind of feel like I want you to do some talking here. Okay, but they come from me every week. <laughs> I know, but you, you th- and this segment was really your idea, so I kind of like you taking the lead. So please. Okay, so um, we're doing two episodes, and our focus is going to be gender issues. Um. The first episode is Rejoined, which is Deep Space Nine Season 4, Episode 6. Dax is reunited with the con symbiont, um, a wife of one of her previous hosts, and must decide whether or not to ignore Trill Taboo and continue their relationship. Uh, Don't get excited. We're not talking about the lesbian kiss because they're they're not, uh, none of that. They're not lesbian. I, I will simply tell you, quick sidebar. That They're not lesbians, so that's the, not something the, we'll be covering yeah. today. At the time this came out in 1995, massive controversy. But yeah, you're right. Oh, I'm kiss, sure. For a kiss that was not much of no nothing. But anyway, well, El- Ellen had already done it. 
Right. And they already did it on L.A. Law. And God, they did it in 1927 in a movie called Wings, but whatever. Uh, Al- this was pre-Ellen, but still it was not pre that other stuff. Ellen did it in 97, I thought. This was 99, yeah, wasn't that- it? Nope, 95. Oh, 95. Okay, okay so the next episode we're going to do is TNG Season 5, Episode 17. Um, it's called The Outcast. This episode's not bad, but it is known as one of the worst episodes of the next generation ever on like all these lists online. Oh, yeah. really? Okay. It, it really I've, is. Um, I've, right, I've never heard that. But I like it. Riker falls in love with Soren, a member of an androgynous race known as the Janai who dares to be female. Um, I want to talk about the outcast first. Please. Yeah. Because I think that it has a lot more relevance to what we want to say. And I think it's interesting with so many people coming out as trans now to kind of see it from that perspective where someone is everybody's uh, no gender, they're genderless, and they identify with a gender. And right. it's really the same concept of, you know, being born one way, and that's not the way you are. That's not how you feel. You are essentially trapped in the wrong body. And what torment that is for you but more so how society views that and that's really really um expressed very well in this episode even though it's kind of in reverse of what we see um Mm -hmm. but it's it's still the same sentiments um rich what did you think well i thought i thought there was a couple things first of all they uh the monologue by soren was spot on and ahead of its time just fantastic yeah, I, mean, I want to like chef's kiss, right? She did a, she did a great job explaining what, and I'm guessing I don't I don't know, but explaining what it's like to be a, a queer person in a straight world, right? And 30, 30 years ago, just shy. Of oh yeah, years ago. so talk yeah, about ahead definitely. of its time. Yeah, exactly. definitely ahead of its time. But then the other thing that they do is they kind of sidestep the conversion therapy topic. Like mm-hmm. she goes into this conversion therapy and she's like, no, no, it's okay. I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be part of the crew again and blah, blah, blah. But they don't, they kind of sidestep that I thought. Well, they do that a lot here with the, you know, pray the gay away yeah. camps yep. that they immerse people in, which is a horrible, mm-hmm. horrible thing. Um, yes. I, luckily that's happening less now. I, I, I hope so. I, I don't. And again, I don't. You guys have to know how I feel about organized religion and things of that nature. It's it's just it's it's complete poison to me. But um, you know, it was uh, neural or neurin was is the main Olivia uh, Head Janai. I was going to say the head the head Janai woman, but there is not such who says you know, Commander on every on this world, everyone wants to be normal, and that's clearly yeah. what's at, what's what's at the crux of all of this is that. But- but, and, and the, and, the beauty of it is that normal yeah. normal isn't is is relative, right? Because normal Absolutely. for Soren is something completely different than normal for the rest of the Janai, or at least the Janai right. that are the majority, right? Right. right? So, I mean, what's normal for a trans person? They feel like a man or a male or a female, right? Right. No matter what we see on the outside, that's what they are on the inside. Mm-hmm. You know. And, and these again, people, these folks on the Janai that were, were pushing back so hard about that remind me of the folks in like rural America who are pushing back so hard against the idea of trans people being in bathrooms, right? And things like that, that right. it, it's, it, it was just interesting to see something that was this, this long ago. When was this? This was 90, what? 92. 
92. Fall of 92. Yeah. So just d- this time, 29 years ago. Yeah. Charlie, just- what did, what did you take from this? Well, you know, and again, I mean, a lot of the, the themes were really very clearly stated. You know, you have Riker doing the and, and then speaking in 1990s parlance and then you have Worf chime in and say, you know, uh, you know, when they're playing cards, Troy is dealing the cards. And she said that this is a woman's game. It supports a weak hand. And I think uh, uh, either Crusher or Troy says, well, what, does that mean that women are weaker and they need more help? And he was like, yes, but he's a Klingon and that is his cultural norm. In some ways it is, in some ways it isn't, because you end up seeing in you know other segments how Klingons relate to their women, and it really isn't that way. So it was kind of a throwaway, or just to really chauvinize him up a lot. But well, it was meant to be. It was meant to provide that opposing viewpoint, right? right. That that viewpoint of the the bigoted person that's going to think that way. Right. And then, you know, you had Riker give his very dog and pony explanations of, you know, well, different men find different women attractive certain ways. And, you know, and then there's when she, you know, asks him, tell me about your sex organs. And then she's she's falling in love with him and stuff. So it does, you know, proceed along an interesting path. But it's just, yeah, like I said, very clearly stated. Asking anyone about their sex organs is so unbelievably completely offensive. (laughs) Agreed. But you know what? Riker Riker handles it because he handles it. That's what he does. It's not. I mean, yeah, you you don't do that. Yeah. But see, culturally for her, it's a different thing. Or for, well, yeah, I can call her her because that's how she identifies. So culturally for Soren, it's a... It's a different thing for her, right? She's well, not... right, and and well, it's an alien relating to an alien, and of course, from that cultural norm, the same way she's, you know, later grilling Doctor Crusher about makeup and hair, and so it's just things that are completely alien to her because they don't exist in their culture. They're they're, they're pasty, ridge-headed bipeds. You know, they don't they don't well, have any, and they all wear they all, they have they wear one of three outfits. So I've learned kind of the through life experience, which I'm exposed in a city to a lot of different types of people, how difficult it is um, for women after they transition because they have to learn that. And that's something that someone born female that always identifies as female learns when they're like 13. Right. Exactly. Okay. If you suddenly come out and say, look, I'm actually a woman and you transition to that, you need all new clothes. You have Mm -hmm. to learn how to do makeup. So that's really interesting. I, um, you guys know how enormous I am. And I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm not overweight or anything, but I'm very tall. Oh, and I was say, I, we don't necessarily know that because we've never actually met you in person, but you, that's what you've told us. Yes. Right. I'm very tall and my, I'm all legs. So my pants are like I'm super, my pants Aaron's, are. Aaron's all legs. I think I just found a new name for this episode. So my pants are very, very long and Whenever I was like going through some of my expensive like business clothes, I was like, I don't necessarily want to donate these to the Salvation Army or something because like what most women are not the same size as me. And then I thought of it and I was like, oh, my God, this is perfect for a man. My, my, my pants that's transitioning and a a brand new wardrobe, super expensive. So I found a charity that I can donate my clothes to that's for trans women. That's fantastic. And it's like a Salvation Army where they can buy stuff. It's all nice stuff. They can buy it really cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll never look back. Awesome. That is great. I will I will go on to say that, um, uh, re- remembering the cultural touchstone when this came out, I was, uh, I was 16 
when this episode came out. Uh, I live in a very Bible thumpy kind of part of the Midwest. Grand Rapids is very famous for its churchy worchy BS. Pardon, my, pardon me for saying so. Um, a kid that I was on my high school cross country team with uh, said, "My dad stopped made me stop watching Star Trek because I heard there was going to be a gay person on it." Like that was honestly something this kid said to me. Don't know if it was in reference to this episode or if this guy's father was such an ignoramus that that's what he thought this episode was about. Um, but it's horrible because you do, and again, I have never personally experienced transgendered issues until about a year or so ago with my friend's uh, daughter who is 14 who has inklings of being male. And is, has been exploring that even as a 14-year-old. And, and again, I won't talk a ton about it because that's someone else's private. Yeah, it's their private journey. So no, especially so, at that age, it's probably better that we don't. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I I have a prime directive. And I've said this time and again. Don't be a dick. I don't really regard people differently. I mean, I know somebody who... I'm a dick all the time. See what I mean? <laughs> but I, I know somebody who uh, is a biological female who's transitioning to be a male and is a total asshole about it. I don't respect them as a person. doesn't have anything to do with them wanting to transgender or them uh, wanting to have their pronouns recognized. They're just a rude, awful person. Well, that's, that's something okay, that, affects, but, that affects me about this. But Charlie, you have to be compassionate about it. And I mean, I have I, a, I have a friend of mine who's spouse it doesn't identify as any gender wow and i i didn't want to offend them so i kept practicing and practicing they them and removing pronouns and every once in a while when i would talk to her i would slip up and she would correct me and i would say i'm sorry i'm trying and then i did it once and she said to me very very nasty you know aaron you could at least make an effort you see, and is that really necessary? That and is that's wait a minute. Because right you, you're trying. Wait a minute. What I said to them was, and I think I just messed up again because I I do it sometimes. I said I'm trying so hard that I'm practicing, and I mean I'm practicing every day, and I'm trying to refer to no one with pronouns so that I can get into this habit. And it's just not happening as fast as I would like it to. And I'm really sorry. The last thing I want to do is offend you. Compassion is a two-way street. Right. So you have to understand how hard that journey is yeah. for them. And they probably think that it's a lot easier than it might be. I struggled with it. I still struggle right. with it. And I, I do right. it if I catch myself. I apologize. I correct. But that's all you can do. And, you know, and Riker does cap on that. He says, you know, I don't know. How do you refer to someone in a species without gender? Do I say it? But to us, that's rude. And she simply says it's kind of a getaway. Well, we have something, but it's hard to pronounce or you wouldn't understand or something. So. Right. Uh, you know, yeah, it's. I, I think to Aaron's point, though, Charlie, it's it's important to remember that they're not being rude just to be rude. I think they're being rude because this is a whole change to everything that they know i mean to basically come out of that shell and be the person that they always known themselves to be and they've got to fight every bit of society down to the last person to be that person so think about it as like how miserable you felt in your life when you were getting a divorce or when well, you were married to your last wife right or 
and your day-to-day life was really difficult or, you know, when you're going through a custody dispute with your children or these major life-changing events, how stressful that is for you. I, I, when I go through that stuff, I'm not, I'm not my best self. Yeah. And sometimes I'll act out on people. So, you know, you just have to, if it's offensive to you, remove yourself from the situation, but still try to be supportive and understanding because like, I can't imagine what that's like. Yeah. My therapist always says to step outside of the snow globe and, and observe rather than participate in that. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Thinking of this person in particular, they were kind of a rude, obnoxious person to start with. So that part of it is kind of what I glommed onto. Not even like a conversation. Like I could say, you know, I, I'm complete. This is completely new to me. I, you know, blah. I, I, exactly. I would, I I respect your choices. I'm going to do the best I can. It was just a rude, arrogant person. So different in that regard to me, should I run into it again? Should this be an issue in my life again, which I'm sure it will be, that's good perspective. But again, talking peer to peer with someone who understands that I care enough to try and I'm going to screw up and they're going to allow that and I'm going to allow the back and forth. I agree with you. But when when someone's kind of an asshole to start with, you're you're starting 10 yards behind the line to use a sports reference, which I never do. That's interesting. The, um, I wanted to touch on a couple things here. Riker, you know, we're kind of putting Riker out there and saying, Oh, look, he's trying and all that. He, he at once sounds enlightened and old fashioned at the same Mm -hmm. time. And it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. He says stuff like who leads when you dance as if, only men should lead when they dance in his society, which doesn't jive with the rest of Star Trek where, you know, it, it women are seen as equals finally. Uh, but then there's also an interesting thing, not just about Riker, but about Jonathan Frakes. Jonathan Frakes lobbied for the Janai to be all played by male actors because he felt that a passionate relationship uh, between two men would have made the statement that much stronger. And you know what? He's not wrong. He's not wrong, but they balked at it. They balked at mm-hmm. it. The uppers said, no, we're not doing that. Well, look at what a you know successful director he is now. Mm-hmm. So he, He's okay. on to something. He's very smart. Yeah. Hey, Jonathan okay. Frakes, we'd love to talk to you. Yeah, exa- yeah absolutely. <laughs> we would. Okay. Well, in, uh, in keeping time, let's move on to the second segment. Well, there's not okay. as much to say about this because this, this isn't is as much about gender as, I mean, these trolls are obviously true. just bisexual. Right. Well, they, because you know, they've, they've lived lives as both genders. I right. know that Dax does identify as a female. Oh, she does. The, I was going to ask yeah, that. She the, does. In this, in this case, and the, you don't, talking of gender, you they don't. They just infer- both well, do, but since they've had these past lives as also men, right. they're definitely just obviously bisexual. It doesn't have much to do with right. gender issues. That is interesting to me. It's not me. about the tackle. Uh, it's, <laughs> yes, exactly. that is interesting to me because in the Trill Society, not every trill is joined. You know, the, the, it's a very specific connection. Um, is p- part of that specific connection seems to be a uh, comfortability with bisexuality. Because again, you, uh, otherwise someone would would always be gay going through, or someone would always be straight going through, or some people would never have any relationship because they're not attracted to whomever. It was just it, that part of it is very interesting. But yeah, you're right. This is a a story in maybe a little grandiose fashion about cultural taboos and how they're unbreakable, which has some connection to the previous story. 
Um, but oh yeah, sure. I mean, not, especially not, not, so about, not so much about gender issues. Yes, I agree. Well, it kind of isn't right, but I have a question about the trill. How do the trill see each other? The trill symbionts, right? Because they each they can have different hosts. They could be male or female. When a trill sees another trill, do they recognize that person as, hey, that's Trill Johnson that I used to date, or or what? Like, because I mean, how would they know? How would they know who each person is? Like this person, like Dax, as I'm as I'm remembering the episode, this uh, Dax is like the second person after this person. After the after her original after her host was who was married to the host of Lenara, right? right? Right, but they both still have all of the memories of the relationship, and it was like such a tragic accident. Right. They're still in love with that person. Absolutely, right. but my question is, how do they recognize each other if they're in different bodies? I'm not sure. I'm. I mean, I know they are forbidden, so they're probably told. Uh okay. Because so they're they were, okay. they're forbidden to have relations with them, so I'm yeah. assuming well, that direct direct relations, but it's kind of like analogous to Facebook stalking. You know, like oh well, I you know you get into a new body, and what happened to my ex wife, and or what happened to my widow my widower, and you look it up, and then that knowledge becomes part of the the trills thought process going forward. So it's just known. Hmm. It's just okay. known, or they're, they're keeping track in some fashion. So yeah, um, but obviously these two had these two symbiotes had never interacted in the. It was a hundred years prior or something. It was it was a long period of time. It was like, it was I believe it was right around a hundred years. So I um, think this pairs really well with the outcast because this is also about fighting what you want or what you are against society. societal norms yeah. and restrictions and religious cultural. Gotcha. Yeah, I, that's sort of that's a fair point, Rich. I mean, it, it really is. Since they're forbidden mm -hmm. to be together, right. then absolutely. Yeah. That's kind and of the, yeah, the feeling I got off of it. Right. And well, so and, and then uh, comparatively, how do you feel about the about, you know, how this episode turned out versus the outcast? Are we surprised? Not surprised? Did we want it to go a different way? Did it say something important? Like, what, what do you feel? How do you how do you guys feel about how it wrapped up? Satisfied? Not satisfied? How this episode wrapped up? Either one of them, you know, do you feel oh. like, okay, it was a good story or left me wanting for more? Well, I mean, obviously, I don't think any of us that are that are speaking, not anybody ever, are going to be happy um, with the outcast because, mm -hmm. you know, essentially she's like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to get my pray the gay away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah exactly. I'm just going to go for it so I can assimilate into society. I think what it does is though is it generates conversation. It does. Oh, right? it does. And I think that that I think that it should be lauded. I'm for just that. saying, if it was my happy fairy tale ending for an episode, it yeah. would be you know she would have left and right. explored better things, or you know somehow found some others that are like her there, and right. you know started gone off, gone off and lived a life. Or yeah, right. so you're right. So that's kind of the missing part of it is what made her give this great monologuing speech and then and then you know overnight they zap her with the pray the gay away and she's like well i was perverted and i reached out to you so sorry that was totally my fault you that's know, that's antagonistic language when they were using that when they were saying perverted that was really kind of like right. What, right. deviant they called her a deviant yeah and, per, and, and her like per, and her perversion exactly yeah but whatever it is that they did she turned on a dime uh, she really did. Yeah, that doesn't make yeah. a whole lot of sense narratively. I think that this could have been a two-part episode, actually. Right. I mean, exactly. you could have spent. I mean, spend a little bit more time with it. If you're going to really go balls to the wall and tell us a story 
uh, about you know about homosexuality then then do right. it yeah right engage. you know engage so all right final thoughts before we move on to the news i'm good i think well, i have I have, a couple ahead, of, I have a I have another question about the trill in Rejoined. Okay. Lenara and her brother, right? Are there are there are the hosts brother and sister or are yes. they, or yes. are the symbionts brother and sister? No, the hosts the are the yeah. hosts are. because he, okay. he, right. he has he has a different last name. I, I did okay. notice that when they were talking about him. He's Dr. So and so such and such, and she's Dr. Lenara Khan, and those last names are different. I did notice that. Okay, so that so that's what that relationship was. Okay. Right. right. Yeah. So they are biologically related, the two the two the two individual the two bipeds were biologically related, yes. Interesting. Okay. Cool. Yes. I just don't know a lot about the trill because I haven't seen a lot of DS9. And, right. Which you know, which, so. you know, we're gonna we're gonna get that fixed for you, Rich. We're gonna keep trotting out these DS9 episodes and we're working on it. Bits and pieces you'll get. I'm fine with it. That's good stuff. I just haven't I never made the time to watch it. So there are trill in an episode of the next gen, but it's not they they completely change it. So it's not a very good it's the other way around. They completely change it for DS9. Right. That that TNG appearance was the first one. And yeah, they decided like they couldn't, you know, he couldn't use the transporter. So that doesn't really work for an ongoing character. No. So they obviously tossed that out, and then it was this thing and that thing, and yeah, it was R- Riker was a Trill host for a little while, and ended up doing it with Beverly, and it was a whole thing. You guys. Know oh yeah, that's right. I I, uh, I I recall that that Bones McCoy he didn't want to use transporters, so they always use shuttlecrafts for him. So I mean, it could I, work. I mean, they, he he bitched about the transporter. They still kicked him in there. Look at the motion picture. He got on a. They got him on a shuttle because he wouldn't get on the transporter. That didn't happen in the motion picture. They didn't beamed they? him up in the motion picture. No, nope. they. Oh yeah, they did. Who did they? Who did? Who who didn't want to get on the transporter? And they they had to go. He, uh, he, oh he no, there was something wrong with the transporter. I don't know. He whatever. didn't want. Yeah, the transporter jacked up, and then he bitched about it. But then they beamed him on. Don't you remember he was wearing the big '70s suit with the gold chain, yeah. and the big beard? Yeah. Yeah. You'll you'll see it when the uh, director's cut of the motion picture rolls out here on Paramount. Plus. I've seen it. <laughs> I know. Well, I t- anyway. Okay. Uh, news time. Uh, story number one. Should we do like a? There you go, Charlie. And Rich, it's your turn. My turn, huh? Oh yeah. All right. So it. I don't know what "shake it, don't break it" means, but Paramount confirms that multiple Star Trek films are in the works amidst a management shakeup. That's the shakeup. Yeah. So they. So they've got. Um. They've got a new chief coming in. Um. Hang on here. I got an itch on my eye. There. Sorry. Nerd. Allergies. Nerd. So Jim Janopoulos is uh, handing over the reins to Brian Robbins, who has been appointed as president and CEO of the studio, in addition to maintaining his current responsibilities, leading Nickelodeon. So obviously he's got himself, uh, he's got quite the resume there. So the next paragraph, though, really uh, oh, talks. The pa- yeah. splitting up the film and, and television divisions. Yeah. Paramount Television Studios will now become a part of the premium network group under the leadership of Showtime CEO David oh. Nivens. That's encouraging, actually. Yes, yes. Nivens. Uh, um, it is encouraging, but then when you scroll down a little bit, it is no it, longer encouraging. It becomes, oh, no. It becomes discouraging. All right, tell us why, Aaron. Well, yeah, uh, tell us why. Well, do we need a do we need a do we need JJ, a time machine? No, oh, we need a time machine. Yeah, we do. 
I guess. All right. But why is it discouraging? Please tell JJ. us. JJ. More JJ stuff. Oh, I am discouraged. Yeah, mm. I'm seeing this. Yeah, he's... Yeah. Uh, but they said okay. that they're doing another one. Um, Who did it say was directing this? Please not Quentin Tarantino. Please. No. no. Oh, I th- yeah, I think that's dead. Matt, Matt Shackman. The script okay. is already complete. Okay. All right. Yeah, there is... Or is it Shakeman? Know, I don't know. Something. Shake, shake it, don't break it. Um, oh, there is so much shucking and jiving around star trek films that what don't say shucking and driving dude yeah like ever that's like what? extremely racist okay there's so much dancing and whatever around these star trek films um i just tend to kind of tune it out because nothing happens well until they i mean that's the way that's the way it works though they've got to they keep juggling stuff around until they figured out what it is that's going to actually land and then they start pre-production i mean that's that's just the way films go so they're juggling balls and when one hits the ground that means it's no when they find something that no when they find something that they land when they land on something that's going to work or they feel is going to work that's when they go for it you know i mean we didn't back in the day we would read read we read starlog magazine but we didn't have the internet to tell us (laughs) but we didn't have the internet to tell us that like oh there's several star trek films in production and then never say anything again for a few years we wouldn't get the update We wouldn't get the update from Starlog until it was imminent, until they were in pre-production, because Starlog back in the day wasn't going to waste print time on stuff like this. Now print space is, you know, affordable and anybody can use it. It's the it's the internet. Anybody can put it. People can record. People idiots like us can make podcasts, and it's out there. Well, I don't think Aaron's an idiot. Well, I don't know, Aaron. Do you think you're an idiot? No. Okay, good. Then, Then she's not. All right, Rich, you were correct. Uh, okay, so that's that. Um, Akiva Goldsman talking about season two of Picard, which we were all super fired up about. So this looks like it was uh, a little bit of blurb from the Picard panel. Um, yeah, I do, yeah, I, I put this in here, and I feel like we've already kind of chewed this up, so we can probably kind of gloss this over. Um, any further thoughts about this dude and Picard? I mean, Akiva Goldsman is a well-known entity in Hollywood. I think he's, uh, I think Picard's in good hands. Yeah. An entity. I like that. He's a well-known entity. Good stuff. All right. The guy's worked on like hundreds of, hundreds of things, hundreds of projects. And, and honestly, um, he presented really well during that panel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what did we say time and again about the, uh, Star Trek day? The red carpet red ladies, ladies suck. suck. Oh. Yeah, I've, doing that? I've, I forgot about I forgot about those twonks. Yeah. I really did. <laughs> now, now it should be temper. We should temper the uh, the excitement for Akiva Goldsman with the with the information that he produced Batman and Robin. Oh, so and he, uh, sorry, <laughs> it, sorry, he didn't it, produce it. it. He wrote it. He even worse. He wrote it. He wrote it, that. It, it is so tempered. Several right. several Golden Raspberry Awards between the Transformers, The Last Night, or Batman and Robin, A Time to Kill. He did also uh, write. He he wrote. He wrote a Beautiful Mind though, and Cinderella Man, which were very well received. Um, but then so, he did. You know, <laughs> yeah. He he produced shit like you know, Deep Blue Sea and Starsky and Hutch for some crazy for some crazy reason. Woo! 
Deep Blue Sea. Mm-hmm. LL Cool J just made that movie. Oh my God! Well, it gave me diarrhea. Yeah, <laughs> and that, that sounds like that would be a bigger issue in the deep blue sea. So, all right. Well, unless there's anything else, that's nature's uh, bathroom. Nature's oh, nature is one big toilet. Okay, so oh, that what? could be a new, that could be a great name of the episode. Okay, so that being said, that's about our show then. So I think it's Aaron's turn. Is it? it is, is that the end of our show? I think so. I feel like Why? we haven't talked about everything yet. You, you got something else? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so either. If it ain't on the page, it ain't on the stage. Aaron, if you'd be so kind. For more information about Starfleet International, please visit Graham Petoskey and Nomad on Facebook. Uh, thank you, friends, for joining us. As always, I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking. Kapla. Yeah, Kapla as well. Code 47 is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit SecretFriendsUnite.com for our great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, or the podcast platform of your choice. If you would like to be part of the conversation, visit our new Discord server, or join us on Facebook, or follow us at SecretFriendsU on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends on YouTube, and don't forget to visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.